You're listening to the Tech Life Today podcast featuring thoughtful stories and diverse personalities of the alumni, students, and staff of the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. This is the place to learn and be entertained by people with a passion and a purpose, both inside and outside the classroom. The Tech Life Today podcast is an extension of Tech Life Today, Nate's online magazine. You can find more stories online by visiting techlifetoday.ca or by going to Tech Life Nate on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Liz Pittman. I'm a writer for techlifetoday.ca and the host of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. With New Year's resolutions come a spike in interest in diet and exercise. Today, we're busting some nutrition myths with Nate's registered dietitian, Nick Creelman. Nick has been featured as an expert on techlifetoday.ca many times, and I'm glad to have him on today's episode. All right. So, Nick, before we jump into all of the myths we're going to bust in today's episode, I want to know a little bit about the supports that you offer for staff and students here at Nate. Uh, I see staff and students one-on-one for free nutrition consultations and assessments. I do presentations across campus. I work with athletes as well as helping with menu development across the campus and helping kind of bring healthier options to the staff and students every day. I imagine one of the topics of conversation you have fairly often is the idea of plant-based diets. And we have the new plant-based restaurant on campus. Before we talk about protein in plant-based diets, which is one of the myths I want to bust today, can you explain what the difference between a vegan, a vegetarian, and a plant-based diet is? For sure. So with vegans, we consider them like the highest level of what a vegetarian would be. So there's going to be absolutely no animal product whatsoever in their diet. Uh, They may exclude animal products in any way or form in their lifestyle as well, too, from clothing as well. Um... So as much as like like honey, eggs, fish, uh, none of those animal products will appear in their diet and in their eating patterns. Whereas with vegetarians, they can have different levels of animal product consumption. Uh, they can have maybe maybe some will eat eggs, maybe some will consume dairy products, uh, some will consume honey, but that they're a little bit looser. They just won't eat the actual flesh of the animal. And then as well uh, with um, like a plant based diet, that's more. It can fall under the definition of vegetarian or vegan. Um, but it can also fall in just like making plants the more centerpiece of your plate. So we grew up in a culture where meat is our centerpiece of our plate, where a plant-based cult, a plant-based diet would maybe make the plant more the center, the centerpiece of the dish. Okay. Uh, or they may try to incorporate more vegetarian-based meals throughout the week. They might just not always have a meat at their at their meals. They'll try to kind of reduce their total animal protein intake. Um, so more like a flexitarian approach. Okay. Where, yeah. Great. So that brings me to our first myth of the day, that people who don't eat meat don't get enough protein. True or false? (laughs) True and false. Oh, okay, great. (laughs) Let's hear it. (laughs) It's definitely um, one of the biggest frustrations I hear with when I work with vegans or vegetarians. They're like, don't you dare ask me like where I get my protein uh, because there are lots of plant-based proteins available out there. but the reason we have to ask that question is there's a lot of people that follow vegan vegetarian diets that don't actually get enough protein because they just kind of cut out all animal products and they don't know where to go. Like, um, whereas like they have so many options with soy, plant-based proteins with pulses, like lentils, chickpeas, beans, um, nuts and seeds are all always available as well too. So there are lots of proteins available to them. They just don't necessarily include them in large amounts in their diet all the time. So that's why I see a lot of vegetarians and vegans kind of get frustrated with that. Um, but there's definitely more than enough sources for protein, um, in their diets. Okay. So myth busted, I guess we could say, right? Easy. (laughs) 
So the next thing I'd like to chat about is cutting something out of your diet. So whether you're cutting out fat or cutting out carbohydrates, is that an effective way to lose weight? Cutting out anything is like a macronutrient such as fat or carbohydrates um, or cutting out an entire food group. Uh, can usually be a good way of losing weight quickly. Mm, it's drastic. Drastic, right? And the body does not ever like to be shocked. Um, so it can be a good way to cut out weight really, really quickly, but it's also a good way to make sure that that weight's going to come back on eventually as well too because it's kind of that yo-yo dieting pattern. Um, now, there is an eating style that's going to work for everyone in the world. So there's one, But there's no one eating style that will work for everyone in the world. We constantly see the battle now of high carb, low fatters, and we still see, and now we see the rise of low carb, high fatters. Right. Uh, if that's a word, fatters. It gonna is go, now. We're going to go with it. Um, <laughs> there's just a constant battle of who's right and who's wrong. And I don't think there's like just a kind of a middle ground where it's like, well, you know, vegetarians and vegans have a very high carbohydrate based diet. And I don't see a lot of overweight and obese vegans, vegetarians walking around. But then the keto diet has a lot of scientific success with the high fat, low carbohydrate that it does help lose weight. Um, so it is trying to just find what works best for you and understand like, understand the diet that you're taking on or the eating behavior you're going to take on is going to match your lifestyle. So if you're a person who absolutely just loves having a beer with your friends at the end of the week, keto is probably not the best choice because that's now at the window. Like if you can't live without beer in your life, then it's gone. If you can't live without cake in your life, well, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So you can't like, that's just not going to match up your lifestyle. Um, whereas if you don't really miss those things and you're like, no, I can just do vodka and waters, uh, with my buddies, then yeah, sure. Then you could probably go the high fat route. Um, it's just recognizing that whatever changes you're going to make can be a lifestyle, lifelong kind of achievement because that's, what's going to help you maintain that weight loss or, or that side of things. So it can work. It just, cause it just depends. Right. And I just don't ever recommend cutting things out of the diet. Cause as soon as you cut it and eliminate things from the diet, and you start telling yourself, no, you can't have this, um, you're raising that level of you want to have it now. You're, 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 you're making sure. your cra- you're going to have cravings for it. You're going to be more likely because you're telling yourself no. And as soon as you tell yourself no, you can't have it. If you allow yourself to have something occasionally, then it gets accepted into your, into your daily routine and, and you're less likely to want to have to have it like every day. Right. So you've mentioned a couple of bits of advice, but if we're talking sustainable weight loss, and maybe people are considering that with New Year's resolutions, um, if weight loss is your goal, what are some tips to do it safely? So if your goal is weight loss in in the new year or throughout the year at any time, um, the best option is one, trying to do it slowly. Um, Reducing, if you're trying to reduce calories intake, you're trying to do it slowly. Like I said, like the body never really does like to be shocked, um, with any kind of means. Um, if the body's going to be shocked, then there's going to be flags going off in the body and it's going to do whatever it can to stop those flags from going off. So if we go for, and all of a sudden lose 30 pounds in three weeks, the body's going to be like red flags are going up. Like, what do we have to do to make sure that this weight stops falling off us? Because the body's job is to store weight as much as it can and have a slow metabolism for the fact that it's like, you know, that's what our ancestors were always born and raised to do to, to survive. So it's going to put red flags on and it will slow down the metabolism. Then everything will start getting stored as fat and you'll start seeing weight kind of come back on or you won't lose any more weight because the body slowed itself down so much. Whereas if you're going to slowly lose weight and maybe like lose one pound or two pounds a week, the body's going to chalk that more up as, you know, day-to-day fluctuations. It kind of goes under the radar and it's like, okay, now over time we've lost 10 or 15 pounds over half a year. Um, but the body doesn't notice that change because it wasn't so drastic. You're playing um, the slow game. You're yeah. tri- kind of tricking your body into <laughs> yeah. realizing what's going on. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? You're just trying to sneak sneak past him because he is <laughs> he is always on high alert to try to be like, no, we got to maintain. What are we doing? Right. So really taking it slow. Um, if they really want to work with, with weight loss and they want to come up with goals and they have no idea where to start, 
100% come and see me. So I have a third myth that I'd like to chat with you about. And you and I have talked about this before <laughs> outside of the podcast. We're still still waiting on an update to Canada's food guide. Looks like maybe we'll see something in 2019, maybe. Uh, um, I know you have strong feelings about using Canada's food guide as a weight loss tool. Is that a good resource to rely on if weight <clears throat> loss is the ultimate goal for someone? First, yeah, super frustrating on that, the fact that the Canada's Food Guide is so out of date because now it's over 11 years uh, old and it has been well out of date and we're still waiting on that. Uh, and Over oh, 11 years, like plant-based yeah. has grown yeah. so much in that time yeah. that those people who are leaning on the plant-based diet, you know, that information is not valid to them. Yeah, it's super interesting to see where they're going to push it because um, everyone kind of says that juice won't be on the on the food guide either because we're one of the very few countries that actually has juice still accepted as like a fruit and vegetable thing as well too. So mm. um, we'll see where they decide to go if it ever actually does come out. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed comes out in 2019. But, but as, as far as like the weight loss side of things, I have people that like will always argue that Candace Food Guide um, is a poor tool and if you follow it, you'll gain weight. And I'm like, well... Canada's Food Guide was never originally designed as a weight loss tool. It was made to be like, if you follow the food guide, you'll have every nutrient your body needs. Like, you will not miss out on vitamins and minerals. You'll have enough carbohydrate, fat, and protein. Like, you'll get everything your body needs if you're the majority of the population and you follow the food guide. But people want to use it as a weight loss tool because, well, majority of the population is overweight or obese. So shouldn't they be able to get healthy from following this food guide? And I hear people argue like, well, if people follow it, they'll gain weight. And they're like, they don't understand like what a serving size is. And they'll like eat. And I'm like, well, then they're not following the food guide. If they're having larger servings, they're not actually following it properly. So I'm like, they're not sure. actually gaining weight, but they are confused by it because it is such a confusing tool. Um, but the, the food guide is better for population, not for one-on-ones. You'll have healthiness, but you don't necessarily have weight loss or weight management from it kind of sure. idea. Um, it's just meant to to make sure that the, the population stays healthy. So there's definitely healthy components to it, but... It's not the end all be all. No, there's definitely a lot of different ways that we can approach to make sure that they're still kind of meeting their needs of the Candace Food Guide, but they're also following in their own kind of desires and meeting their, their own needs too. What are some other resources that someone could turn to instead? Other than you, of course. The simplest one is... Like the my plate method. Oh, okay. Um, and that really Tell me more. and that really narrows it down to like basically it's just if you look at your plate, what the plate should look like, and you can usually find the resource on on Google, just quick Google search. Um, half your plate is vegetables, quarter of your plate is whole grains if you're if you're having carbohydrates in your diet, and then a quarter of your plate is meat or your animal protein, your plant based protein, wherever you're putting that protein at. Okay. And then it could be like fruit or vegetables on that on that on that half plate because more often than not, most of us as Canadians, it's like. One third of our plate is meat, one third or more is carbohydrate, and then whatever we can kind of fit on the plate if we can, some vegetables might slip in there. So like the easiest method is like, yeah, put the vegetables on your plate first so that you have to make room for the other stuff, not, oh, now we have, oh, we can fit a spoonful of vegetables on there. Right. Let's go for it. So Yeah, it's kind of an afterthought sometimes. Yeah, so the my plate is yeah. usually the easiest way for people to understand what their plate has to look like. And then my other recommendation is I'm like, just try to get a little bit of variety because some people just get so obsessed with having to be able to eat all the things that like media and, and online says, right? It's like we have to eat kale. I'm like, well, spinach and collard greens are just as equal in like nutritional value as kale. They just don't sound as sexy as kale. Yeah. Like just kale. And kale really doesn't sound that sexy when you think <laughs> about it, right? And and a lot of people will put like salads as like top tier vegetables. Like and I'm not a huge salad person myself, but like I like roasted vegetables. I'm like, and they can have just as much nutrition as a salad does. So it's just really kinda like I tell people like if you can have four or five fruit or four or five vegetables that you really enjoy and can really get behind, then go through those. And if you want to have more 
100% keep eating more because, um, like, I've always said to people, I'm like, I've never had a question where I'm like, if you go to a meal and say, should I have more vegetables? I've never had to tell someone, no. It's just like, yes, put more vegetables on your plate. Like, you <laughs> yeah. can't go wrong. Okay. Okay. Just for fun, I want to know, what are some of the crazier food, diet, nutrition myths that you've come across that you've just thought, what on earth is this? One that was probably about two years ago where I got probably 10 to 20 people in the year that came up to me and they just started cutting bananas out of their diet. And I'm like, that poor fruit gets picked on a lot. Um, so I said, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like cutting out bananas. Why'd you cut out bananas? Because they, you know, I was, I know, I know that's what they wanted to get to was it was because of sugar, but they'd be like, cause they make you fat. And then I was like, well, how many bananas are you eating in a day? <laughs> Like, are you Donkey Kong? Because if you're just crushing bananas all day long, then there is the potential that you do gain weight. But one banana a day is not going to cause any kind of issue. And and they're like, well, the sugar content's so high. And I'm like, well, it's not even the highest sugar fruit that we can eat. Um, but I'm like, okay, poor banana gets a little, little beat up on it at, from time to time. So, I mean, it's always nice to kind of de- debunk that myth. And if people really were concerned about, like, the sugar content of bananas, I'm like, then eat Eat ripe, eat like fresher ones. The more fresh they are, um, the less sugar content they actually have. They're one of the few fruits that, as it gets older, it breaks down and gets sweeter. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, no, like if it means getting rid of fruit, I'm like no, eat the banana. Um, just don't eat ten bananas at a time, and you'll be and you'll be fine. Sure. Um, other myths that I've come across, I'm trying to think of all the fun ones. Um, the soup diet was one of the bad ones a few years ago too, where like. It's like a cabbage soup diet and you'd eat like just cabbage soup for two meals. That sounds And then miserable. you might actually have a real meal, I think, at, at like supper. But even people said like the soup didn't taste good. So I'm like, well, then why would you, why would you do it? Um, that doesn't sound good at all. Um, and there's a lot of other ones where it's just like, you know, you're, you're, you're having one main meal a day and everything else is just powders and pills and that kind of idea. And I'm like, there's just, what's the joy in doing that? I'm like, we still got to be able to enjoy what we do and eat. And, and some people are like, no, it tastes delicious. I'm like, yeah, sucking back 18 horse pills sounds like a great a great day to me. Um, and then uh, the other myth that I like to, to bust because I'm an East Coaster and a, an Islander by trade is that uh, potatoes are ungodly healthy, whereas sweet potatoes are the heaven's almighty gift to us all. <laughs> um, because both of them are pretty much nutritionally equal. Calorie-wise, they're pretty close to the same. Carbohydrate content, they're the same. Sweet potato has a heck of a lot more vitamin A because it's deep orange, but I'm like, but regular potato has a lot more iron, um, which can be a deficient in a lot of people's uh, diets in, in, in the country as well too. So I'm like, it's a trade-off. Um, and usually the argument is because potatoes have a higher glycemic index, so they break down really, really quickly in the body and they get digested really, really quickly. So your blood sugars spike up, but the argument goes to hell whenever we have other things where um, there's just so many things that impact the glycemic index that people don't realize and they're like protein and fiber slow down how any kind of carbohydrates broken down so unless you're just that typical person which I don't know many and as an islander I never did it was sit down and just eat a potato <laughs> by itself with nothing else around it then like yeah it would it would impact your blood sugars but because there's potatoes a meal a meal food it's always associated with high protein or high or high fiber foods it's not going to have that glycemic index result like everyone else wants to think it's going to have. So um, I always like to put the rest. I'm like, you can still eat regular potatoes. Just yeah. don't have all, like don't have four cups of them at dinner and enjoy them and just make half your plate vegetables still. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> the wonderful information and the laughs, Nick. I really appreciate you joining me uh, for the podcast today. And I have like a 
craving for bananas now. <laughs> so um, I appreciate. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that so much, and thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Nick for being part of today's episode, and thank you for listening. In the show notes for this episode, you'll find related Tech Life Today stories, including the sweet and lowdown on sugary foods, how much water you should really be drinking, and how to manage emotional eating. Next month, we'll be talking about women in business with Max Frank and Lorna Mutajeshi. Max is the director of the Maji Center for New Venture and Student Entrepreneurship at Nate, and Lorna owns the stunning clothing line Miss Chana. We'll talk about struggles women face at work, advice they have for others, and what they know now that they wish they knew when they started their careers. The Tech Life Today podcast is an extension of Nate's online magazine, Tech Life Today. You can find more stories online by visiting techlifetoday.ca or by going to Tech Life Nate on Facebook and Twitter. If you have feedback you'd like to share about the podcast, please email techlife at nate.ca. Thanks so much for listening. We can't wait to share more Nate stories with you.